Hello everybody, I am your host Matt and this is the FOE Podcast episode 12. I am back with Josh and also the petty guy Jason to talk a little bit more football and then also we're going to do our predictions on WWE's TLC pay-per-view that's coming up this Sunday and uh, yeah, it's going to be a pretty fun show. So I want to just go ahead and get right into it because the first topic is going to be a little bit of debate. Josh, I seen your post earlier this week about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And I kind of just want to nip things in the butt when it comes to this whole debate because I don't really understand what the debate is. And I know you said that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady. Yes. I just I really want to know what makes Aaron Rodgers better than Tom Brady. I just need to know. I, I Because before Jason started going off into his little tangent and everything, I, I, I want to hear your point of view on this. All right. Well, look. The only thing that Tom Brady has over Aaron Rodgers is he's more decorated. I understand the whole point of being in the NFL is to win Super Bowls. But listen, if I had my choice, if I could start a franchise and have 25-year-old Aaron Rodgers or 25-year-old Tom Brady, it's not even close. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers by a mile. So, first of all, Aaron Rodgers has a much stronger arm than Tom Brady. Second of all, he's probably if maybe Tom Brady has a little bit of accuracy over him, but Aaron Rodgers is still pinpoint. He can make he made Pat Mahomes throws before Pat Mahomes made it cool. Okay. He could run. He could run to his left, throw it all the way back to the other side of the field to his right, and it'll be right on the money. Tom Brady, he'll try to run out of the pocket. He'll trip over his own two feet. Brady is not even close to any kind of mobile Aaron Rodgers he can get you even now what is he like 38 yeah. something like that even now Aaron Rodgers can still get you a first down with his legs if he needs to but back in his prime he was he wasn't a mobile quarterback but he definitely had some rushing yards in him next uh, Aaron Rodgers is extremely clutch you you look at how many times it you know maybe a little bit of luck goes into it, but how many times Aaron Rodgers completed a hail mary, whether it's at the end of a half or at the end of the game. You know if if it was all up to the receivers, then you would see more completions on hail mary attempts by other quarterbacks. But no, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know what it is. I don't know how. But he seems to have a knack for completing bombs like that. All right. Also, we got Mike McCarthy, head coach. He He's not good. He's not a good head coach. We're seeing that in Dallas. And Aaron Rodgers gave him a Super Bowl ring. Tom Brady always had Belichick. Other than, you know, obviously up to this year. Always had Belichick. He always had for the most part, either a good to great defense with him. Aaron Rodgers, he's rarely had a good defense in Green Bay. And he's, I'm not sure who was the head coach before McCarthy. I can't remember that right now. But but Rodgers never really had much of a head coach. He never had much of a defense. And he still put it up, 
put up the huge numbers, put up MVP caliber seasons, always had his team in the playoffs, if not the Super Bowl. And that's my case. Okay. Jason? I'm going to start with the accolades, and I'm going to work my way work my way down from there. So, Jason, I know you said you, say you about to start with the accolades and work I'm your way down with from the there. Accolades. Yeah, I'm working my way down from there. All right, Jason. So, I know you're going to start with the accolades, and you're going to do that. So, let me go ahead and just throw in my little two cents right quick. Oh, no, no, go ahead and give them the stats that you pulled up uh, earlier today, which I found to be very interesting. So, Josh, I decided to do some research, right? Mm-hmm. And I get everything when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. He is a great player. He is one of the greatest of all time. I personally feel like the hype is just a little bit overboard sometimes because I view him as the NFL's version of James Harden. He is fun to watch. But when it's time to get down into the playoffs, something always happens. Yes, we know he has a strong arm. Aaron Rodgers has a personality that's irresistible. You lose a couple games and then go on a podcast and tell people, relax, and then go out and start winning, not a lot of people can really just carry that type of charisma in the NFL and go and do it. Baker Mayfield tries. Sometimes he wins, sometimes he doesn't. But I decided to really dive into this because we can talk about how he throws and we can talk about you know these game-winning drives and everything. And I want to start with the game-winning drives since that's the first thing you brought up. So, I ripped away Tom Brady's first couple seasons. And I put his stats from 2008, when Aaron Rodgers started, to now. And I did the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. And, honestly, this debate is really getting ridiculous. Because if people actually did the research and look at some of this shit, their numbers are literally close together. I mean, we can take away the Super Bowls. Their numbers are literally close together. It's basically like for the past 12 years, Aaron Rodgers has taken the role of Drew Brees. If you want to talk about that little race that Drew Brees and Tom and uh, Tom Brady has. It's like Aaron Rodgers said, Drew Brees, take a sit back. I'm going to take over this. So, I mean, yeah, I know that everybody's going to talk about Super Bowls. We can talk about the one time Aaron Rodgers went to the Super Bowl in 2011. He has not seen the Super Bowl ever since. He's even missed the playoff a couple times. Brady has seen five Super Bowls. Of course, those are things that we cannot ignore. Brady hasn't missed the playoff since 2008. Things that we cannot ignore. But when you talk about putting things next to each other, hand in hand, from 2008 till now, Tom Brady still has more wins, better passing completion, well, passes completed, passing yards. Then you jump into the playoffs. He has more playoff wins, TDs, passing yards. And then when it comes down to game-winning drives, since... Aaron Rodgers started, he has 25 game-winning drives, 17 fourth-quarter comebacks, and has two game-winning drives in the playoffs. Since 2008, Tom Brady has 25 game-winning drives, seven of them come in the playoffs. Yes, we can talk about how great Belichick was and the defense because Jason know how I am when it comes to Bill Belichick. I like a good coach. I love a good defense. And I understand, like, some things is unpredict- some things you can't control. Like, me and you have this debate all the time when it comes to the Browns and their season and how you're like, well, you know, was it 9-4 now? Yeah, we'll get yeah. into them a little later. Yeah, we're going to get into them a little later. But, like, 
They're nine to four, but you know how I'll go and I look at that schedule and be like, well, look, they play these guys, that guys, that guys. And then you'll come in and you'll be like, well, we got to look at it, you know, when the season started. And we got to look at where they are right now. We can't control what happens, especially in this unpredictable year of 2020. But if you go and you even take away the Super Bowls and just include playoffs, period, along with the regular season, Tom Brady has been right there neck and neck. The only thing that Aaron Rodgers really has over him is the that stat everybody loves, the QBR ratings. Yeah, he has a smidge better uh, completion, and I believe they're like, Tom Brady's like 64.2, and Aaron Rodgers is 64.6. So he has like little accolades, but Tom Brady is literally owning him when it comes to like games one and all these other stats. He may not do it the flashiest or the prettiest because, I mean, from everything I hear, Aaron Rodgers just seems like he's fun to watch. And he's probably like the funnest player to watch. But since 2008, Tom Brady's been hanging with him. And he's still dominating the stats. They're neck and neck, but, I mean, he's right there. So, I don't really get it when it comes to people saying, you know, Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady. Because now it's like, okay, he's still doing everything that, you know, he's doing. But Aaron Rodgers is going to get all the hype because, I mean, who doesn't want to watch Aaron Rodgers play? Tom Brady's kind of like watching Matt Ryan play. Nobody really wants to do that shit. That's why people want him out of Atlanta. So the way I look at it is I basically just look at it as Aaron Rodgers is fun to watch. But when you start to look at the whole picture of everything, Tom Brady is still better. I mean, yeah, we know he's a sore loser. He hates winning. Well, he hate, he loves winning, but he hates losing. He doesn't like to shake, like shake your hand. Damn, I need to drink some water. Always has an attitude. Uh, lost to a backup QB. Lost to Eli Manning twice. Yes, we can look at all that. But we still have to look at the success of Tom Brady. And I know everybody's going to look at it when he's retired because, you know, he's just the guy that everybody loves to hate right now. But we still have to look at that part right there. So I just look at it as Aaron Rodgers. He's just fun to watch. I'd rather watch an Aaron Rodgers game than a Tom Brady game. That's it for me. Jason? Well, since you covered most of it. Not because I already knew that you were going to actually just sit here and just pour out stats. So I just took the liberty of just looking up some stuff. Because we know how good this man is. We know how good both of these guys are. But we would just rather tune in and watch Aaron Rodgers' game than the Tom Brady game. But Tom Brady is sitting there hanging with him in every category. So... Let's start off with the nine Super Bowl appearances. No quarterback in the history of the NFL has ever even gotten close to nine Super Bowl appearances. Brady owns every postseason record there could hold, period. The <laughs> Just the sheer fact that he's the second quarterback in NFL history to have a perfect season. And then what happened? I Jason, mean, I can't lie to you, dog. Talking about that season is kind of like talking about the Golden State Warriors season when they beat Chicago's record and they lost in the finals. I don't think that, that the 16 I mean, games in the regular season is something to brag about. But, 50 yeah. passes in a year, too, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I remember that year with Randy Moss. But continue. Right, back to my point. Um, and just like Rodgers, you know, he came in off of an injured, you know, 
older quarterback off the bench, became a star really fast, and, you know, the rest was history. But you have to put a lot of things into context. Brady has beaten all of his rivals head-to-head. Brady has dismantled the Young Lions in two different generations. And he's still doing it. The man still has a winning record at 42 years old. And I don't understand the whole, you know, Rodgers is so much better than Brady because it doesn't even make sense. What do you have to show for it? Well, what are, what are the stats that we comparing? Okay, Rodgers is a better scrambler. Who cares if he don't get past the second round of the playoffs? Oh, Rodgers got a bigger arm. Who cares? Doesn't have any accolades to show for it. Sure, he has a big arm. Has never broken the touchdown record in a season ever. Nothing to show for it. Okay, he had a subpar coach in Mike McCarthy. Fine, that's great. Brady still had to execute everything that Belichick and Josh McDaniels put on the table. You can make a fine game plan all you want, but if your quarterback ain't competent enough to execute, then it's worthless, a.k.a. Jameis Winston, a.k.a. Eli Manning. The list goes on and on and on and on. Some people like to make the argument that Brady's just a system quarterback. Okay? Then why would every other quarterback that stepped into his shoes have been subpar compared to Brady? What happened to Bledsoe? Matter of fact, we will talk about that system. Let's talk about Bill Belichick's record before he was with the Patriots. He got fired twice. So, what was the magical player that took Belichick's coaching to the next level? Tom Edward Patrick Brady. And just like, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, you know, Bill Russell and all these other players in the NBA, good luck catching the numbers. Because it's going to be damn near impossible at this point. The sport has moved on. This man has bust both two different eras' asses, and he's still untouchable. Say what you want. Mahomes had a lot of climbing to do. To even catch up to half of what Brady has already accomplished. Five and Rodgers only got like five years left. Rodgers only got five years left, maybe. So there you have it. You can't catch a man that's already ahead of you by three whole lengths of a football field. Stats, accolades, time in the game. It is what it is. And Brady's just a better number 12. Facts to facts. Oh, well. And I'm done. Josh, I know you have a rebuttal. Oh, you know I do. I was just trying to be respectful. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, let's take a look at uh, this past offseason, and then we'll look at a couple years ago. Yeah. The Green Bay Packers traded it up in the first round to get Jordan Love because they said, Aaron Rodgers, we think you're washed up. You're going to be gone sooner rather than later. You know, we're going to move on pretty quick. Aaron Rodgers said, you know, I see what you're doing. And I'm going to prove you wrong. And he's more than doing that right now. 
And then we look at a few years ago. Belichick said, all right, we're going to move on to Jimmy Garoppolo pretty soon. Jimmy G. Tom Brady didn't say, I want to prove you wrong. He said, he ran up to Robert Kraft's door and said, Daddy, Daddy, Mr. Belichick's being really mean. He's going to try to get rid of me. Please help me out. And then Kraft said, Belichick, what are you doing? You have to trade Jimmy G. And then Tom was like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> he won the Super Bowl right after saying it. No, no, no. Let, let me continue. Well, Jason, you got to give him the respect. <laughs> so, yes, he did win that Super Bowl. But, I mean, what kind of goat puts up 13 points in the Super Bowl? I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Also, you're talking about how Aaron Rodgers never broke a touchdown record. Aaron Rodgers never played with a first-round pick at wide receiver, period. This has not happened. I don't think this will happen. Tom Brady's got Gronk. He had uh, Randy Moss. He had Aaron Hernandez when he was doing his thing. He had Julian Edelman in his prime, Wes Welker in his prime. They're obviously not comparable to guys like Moss and Gronk. But for the system, they were elite. Aaron Rodgers had a little bit of Greg Jennings. And he had Devontae Adams. I think that's probably pretty much it. I don't know if I'm missing anybody. So, he not only didn't have... Okay, Jordy Nelson. I I will compare that more to a Welker Edelman just based on the chemistry they had and not the pure talent that Jordy Nelson had. He was a good player, mm-hmm. but he wasn't, you know, elite. Oh, yeah. Devontae Adams, we'll put him at, at elite. So not only did he have a shitty head coach in comparison to Belichick, not only did he always have a shitty defense in compared to the Patriots defense, he had shitty weapons compared to what Tom Brady had. Tom Brady is a quarterback who... He can put up those numbers, and he can look great doing it, but he's going he's gonna to need everybody else around the team and the coaching staff to do their thing, hold up their end of the bargain. Aaron Rodgers never had that. Aaron Rodgers always had to do everything himself. Tom Brady, what, what, what were you saying, Jason? They what put, put stuff on the table, but Tom Brady still had to execute it. Aaron Rodgers... Okay, okay. Tom Brady had the ingredients put out for him. They had it, you know, set up nicely on the kitchen, sliced and diced. He had to put it into the pot and stir it. Aaron Rodgers had to go out to the field, pick it out himself, wash it down himself, disinfect. You know, I, I don't, I'm not much of a chef, so I don't really know. <laughs> he had to prepare. He had to prepare everything in advance. He had to make sure everything was. Everything was nice and tidy. And then do all the cooking. Do all the seasoning, stirring. You you get the analogy. He had to do everything by himself. Tom Brady more... He's more... I'm I'm not sure. I see it more like Tom Brady being the spoiled kid who had everything given to him. 
Aaron Rodgers isn't necessarily, you know, the kid who, you know, came from a poor background and had to come up to the top. I don't know his life story, but he seemed more like middle of the road and then he had to get up there. Tom Brady had a much easier path. So how do you figure that Tom Brady had an easier path when he was the 199th pick? This was one of the most unathletic displays of the combine anyone has ever seen. And he was picked in the sixth round. Okay. He was supposed to be a quintessential water boy became the greatest of all time. That's an amazing story. It's definitely, obviously, the greatest NFL story of all time. What about Kurt Warner? That too. That motherfucker was packing groceries. <laughs> he was packing those groceries that Aaron Rodgers had to go get him by himself. Um, one one point that I had to actually forgot to put in there was you were talking about how, Matt, I believe you were talking about how Tom Brady hasn't missed the playoffs since 2008. Listen. If Tom Brady was not a system quarterback, how the hell do you explain Matt Castle leading the 2008 Patriots to an 11 and 5 record? I believe I said earlier this year on the podcast of how Belichick has a winning record with quarterbacks not named Tom Brady. And I think for Jason, I always bring up Matt Castle. That's always a point for me when it comes to, you know, the Patriots without Tom Brady. I believe there's only been three or four quarterbacks that have started for the Patriots since the Brady era. Matt Castle, when he got his knee tore up the first or second game of that season, um, Jimmy G during his, during them four game suspension and uh, Brian Hoyer, when he got, had an injury a few years back. I think Those Jacoby Brissett too. Yeah. Jacoby was the same year that, um, Garoppolo, Jimmy G, yeah, yeah, but I think Jimmy G had the job over him. I think he they, they were just interchanging them to see what was going to work for the time being, um, because Jimmy G played what the first two games they brought in Jacoby for the third game, but took him out halfway. It was a whole bunch of trying shit out, but in total, so it's Jimmy G, Jimmy Brissett, uh, Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, and Matt Castle, four quarterbacks in the entirety of his twenty year career that has started maybe a handful of games. Outside of that Matt Castle season. So, in total, we have about, if you take Matt Castle out of it, I believe they played six games max. That, more than anything, just goes towards the argument of Tom Brady being extremely durable and reliable, which we're not we're not arguing about. You know, I, I agree, obviously. But it's the fact that like I was saying, even without Tom Brady in there, the Patriots still managed to go eleven and five with Matt Castle, and we can we can agree Matt Castle's not a good quarterback. But at the same time, that year they probably had a top five or top three defense, just like the other years that Tom Brady was there. Mm, not necessarily. The Patriots had historically horrible secondaries for half of Brady's career. Like they just let anything get past them. Okay, but we're talking about you're talking about secondaries, right? Which means but you you also got to look at don't do shit. You also got to look at the defense as a whole because even if your secondary isn't all that great, if you have a good pass rush, 
you know, guys like I believe at the time the Patriots had guys like Will Fork. They had um, what's that linebackers? Teddy Bruschi. Yeah, we had Teddy Bruschi for a few years, even though he was on his way out. Yeah, they, they had some good um, some good guys up front. Now at the same so, time, Green Bay Packers has always had a good defense. They have a lot of legendary players as well. They've had they've had good defenses, but it's more like you want to look at the range of how good those defenses were. The Patriots, it was either between bad and great. And the Packers, sometimes it will be good, but a lot of times it will be terrible. I mean, you guys had Benji, you guys had Clay Matthews, you guys had uh what? The TJ TJ Watt, I believe, is the brother of JJ Watt. No, no, he's in he's in Pittsburgh. Oh, he's in Pittsburgh. I'm getting teams confused. Um <laughs> There's a uh, Charles Woodson at one point. Um, the list goes on and on, but they had a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I believe he was at the end of his career too. But then again, with he's one of those guys where you could say he's getting towards the end of his career and he's like 40 years old. So that dude was playing forever. Right. But, you know, it's just the fact that the Patriots more had the consistent really good defense then Aaron Rodgers had to back him up. Mind you, Belichick's whole system operates off of we don't care who you are, what you are, as long as you do exactly what I tell you to do. Which means exactly. we're not about to pay for real talent. We trade away all superstars. So we're beating y'all with the who, what, when, where, and whys of the NFL. And it's not because he's saying we have Tom Brady a quarterback. It's because my system can beat whatever you guys throw at me on offense. No, it's called just do your damn job. You do one thing well, that's the only thing we're going to give you to do. You got to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. You got one job to do, and all you got to do is do what you do. Tom Brady, he did his job. Congrats. Aaron Rodgers, he had to make up for everything else. Just like people can't choose who they're born who they're born from, they can't choose who you're drafted by. It is what it is. All right, guys, we got to move on to the next segment because we done killed a lot of time with this. <laughs> uh, it's been pretty fun. I just want to leave one comment here because I know I always talk. I talk about system quarterbacks all the time, but we can't ignore that three of the greatest quarterbacks of all time are system quarterbacks: Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. I mean, Peyton Manning went to Denver, and he was basically his own offensive coordinator. Adam Gase didn't do shit. Yeah, but Tom into- Brady is now officially his own offensive coordinator because, I mean, some, you can tell the difference on the field. You can tell when it's a Bruce Arian play and when it's a Tom Brady play. Which I think he does need an offensive coordinator anyway because when he just does his own thing, they do much better on offense. And I'm also just saying, Tom, uh, Peyton Manning went into a whole other team and – set the NFL record for touchdowns in the season? Oh, yeah, definitely. Also, one, one, one more thing I want to throw out. I know I'm the one who, when we talk about Cleveland, makes the argument, you don't control who you play. But for the people that don't agree with that, you also got to look at the Patriots 
who play in the NFC, AFC East. So they oh, basically the have some of the easiest schedules for like the past 15 years. Exactly. So, so you talk about Aaron Rodgers doesn't really make it past the second round. The Patriots are given the second round for free. Look, it's not our fault. Those teams never got better. No, I mean, I, I get that. I'm just throwing that out there. We'll continue this conversation another day because it, it seems like it's, it's more to it. <laughs> it, it seems like it's just a lot more to it. But we can I, revisit I, this one anytime. <laughs> yeah, we can revisit this conversation. We're probably going to revisit it at the end of the season. That's that's a definite. But we'll definitely do that. But let's go ahead and move into our next topic. This is just a quick take, guys. Um, so I was just sitting outside talking to my uncle uh, yesterday. Now, we always talk about, you know, Matt Ryan in Atlanta because he doesn't like Matt Ryan. He just never liked him at all. Matt Ryan is good. I understand he's no Michael Vick. I know Atlanta likes their you know, mobile quarterbacks. But I need Atlanta fans to get this thought out their mind that Matt Ryan is staying. Stop. The Falcons are about to approach a rebuild. Every coaching candidate that they're looking at is an offensive coordinator, like let's say uh, Eric Bianimi, Brian Doble. I cannot remember the offensive coordinator's name from the Seahawks. But they all have one thing in common. A mobile quarterback. A faster system. Matt Ryan is not going to be here when a new coach comes to town. Because he is not mobile. If you look at his games, especially this year, it's like he got concrete on his feet. He cannot move. He cannot create plays. He's just stuck in that small bubble that they call a pocket, and he can't do anything outside of it. So if you guys really sit here and think that they're going to bring in a new GM and a new coach and they're going to keep Matt Ryan as their quarterback, that's insane. Matt Ryan is old NFL. This is a new NFL. You got to be mobile. Hell, even Tom Brady tries to be mobile now. I've noticed that. Aaron Rodgers is still mobile. Matthew Stafford is mobile. They all may not be the fastest, but they know how to create plays with their feet. Matt Ryan is a 2000 to 2005 quarterback. I'm going to sit in this pocket and I'm going to throw the ball. The game ain't like that no more. You got to be able to move. The defenses are faster. For you guys to continuously sit here and believe that Matt Ryan is going to be there, it's ridiculous. And also, I want to shut down another room of all the Falcons fans that don't know how to get on the internet and do some research. Matt Ryan is not married to Arthur Blank's daughter. Can y'all please stop that bullshit? <laughs> He's never been married to Arthur Blank's daughter. If that's your reason for why this man is not going anywhere, that is stupid. Arthur Blank, as old as he is, realizes in old age he wants to win one before he, he's over. Okay? Do so, people actually think that, or are they just being fantastic? Yes, no, people actually think that. I came to my uncle. He was on the phone, and the person on the phone was like, no, nah, man, Ryan not going nowhere. You know, he married to Arthur Blank's daughter. Five more people that same day. Matt Ryan not going nowhere. He, he married the Arthur Blank daughter. That shit is so annoying. People. So, it just takes a quick Google search. And I just want to pull up this one, one thing. Let me see if I can get up right quick. Arthur Blank's daughters. Dina Blank, Danielle Blank, Kylie Blank. Okay. Matt Ryan's wife. Her name is Sarah Marshall. <laughs> you know what my uncle told me? Marshall probably her middle name. 
<laughs> you guys are tripping me out. Who led you guys to believe that this was real? Get your head out your ass. And my last message is definitely for the Atlanta Falcons. I read the last draft report. It looks like you guys are looking at defensive ends. No, no, no. Because when you do shit like that, it makes me feel like you're thinking about keeping Matt Ryan. Y'all better go get that boy out of North Dakota State before Washington get him. Draft Trey Lance and rebuild with him. And please, Atlanta, just go ahead and accept the fact. Everything's going to be okay. Matt Ryan is gone after this season. Thank you. That's all I have to say. I like it. Oh, I appreciate it. We can go ahead and jump straight into this uh, next topic. I know we're in the playoffs in some of our leagues. Fantasy football is heating up. Players are still catching COVID. I hope everybody's okay. And the NFL said we're not doing the bubble. And I understand why. So, Josh, what you got for me this week when it comes to fantasy football starts and sits? All right. So, some for some leagues, this is the second round. For some leagues, in, like I know ESPN does it, so it's... Uh, 14, week 14, week 15 is the uh, first round of the playoffs. So, all right, so my first start here, I got Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert. It's not it's not really like a crazy thing. You know, you're going to start Herbert pretty much regardless. But I just want to say he's at, he's at Vegas, I think, t- tomorrow night. The Raiders have the 25th ranked pass defense. And the Justin Herbert Keenan Allen connection is getting there towards among the best in the league. Keenan Allen isn't, you know, one of those top elite receivers, but he's a really, really good route runner. He has great hands and he knows how to get separation. And him and Herbert seem to trust each other. So look for them to hook up. And the Chargers are a lot better than their record. A lot of their losses haven't come by too many, other than obviously the 45 nothing blowout against Jason's Patriots. But other than that, most of their most of their losses came within 10. My second uh, star of the week is Broncos running back Melvin Gordon versus Buffalo. The Bills are allowing 120 rushing yards per game, and they're currently 19th in the league. Melvin Gordon. Four of his last five games, he have, he has averaged 4.2 or more yards per carry. So he's been getting in rhythm recently. Uh, the Broncos are a team who we saw Drew Locke break out last week. Four touchdowns. I was really excited. But we saw, we saw that they still want to run the football. So Melvin Gordon, he is going to be getting most of that work. Phil Lindsay might get it here and there. But Gordon is the guy that they want to feed. And Buffalo, on the other side, they are one-dimensional. They are, uh, like I said, they're 19th against the run. But they're not much of a running team themselves. So with the Broncos' pass rush and their uh, pass defense, if they can, they don't really have to worry much about the run game. So if they can shut down the pass, or at least contain it, that's more punts, more turnovers, more opportunity for the Broncos offense. And like I said, they like to run the ball. So that gives Melvin Gordon more opportunity. Uh, My next start is Arizona Cardinals running back Kenyon Drake. 
against the Eagles. Philadelphia, they have a really good defense, but they are 24th against the run. They're allowing 127 yards yards per game. Arizona, on offense, they are fourth in rushing. And Kenyon Drake has at least one touchdown in the last four games. Also, in the last three games, Kenyon Drake has had at least either 78 yards rushing or average 4.9 yards per carry. So he's been putting up really good numbers as of late. He seems like he's starting to break out of that slump that he was in. <clears throat> My fourth start here, I I am personally banking a lot of fantasy playoffs on this man. And it's mostly based off of the narrative, but the narrative has some merit to it. So Colts wide receiver T.Y. Hilton. You notice that he's been playing great the past couple games. Not only that, but I've I've done a little digging. In the last seven games that Indy has played Houston in the regular season. So that goes all the way back to 2017. Oh, yeah. Mr. Houston Texan. This man loves Miss, playing. Yep, exactly. He is their kryptonite. In the last seven games, he has only had two under 100 receiving yards. That is insane to think about, especially since he has done pretty much nothing all season. And then, what was it, two weeks ago, when they meet up with Houston the first time, he goes off. And he goes back to back. So I'm thinking that that's going to continue here with their second game against Houston. Uh, the Texans are 24th against the pass, allowing 254 yards per game. So, yeah, I'm, I really hope that he's able to continue this trend because a lot of playoffs of mine are riding on it. As for my sits, I love this man, but I'm going to sit quarterback Kirk Cousins against the Chicago Bears. Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook Dalvin Cook is going to run this offense this week because the Bears are only 17th against the run. So it's going to be more feeding the rock to Dalvin rather than uh, letting Kirk Cousins air it out. I think this game is going to be a slow game. It's going to be a low-scoring defensive game. You know, one of those old-school uh, Vikings-Bears you know, defensive games. So there's going to be more to Dalvin Cook, less opportunity for Kirk Cousins to air it out. So it's not, it's not a knock on Kirk Cousins. It's more, it's all going to Dalvin. Uh, I'm going to save this one actually for the end. A little bit of a surprise. My next one is running back Clyde Edwards Alaire again against the uh, Saints. He's not going to get very much opportunity, I don't believe, mostly because the Chiefs don't seem to run the ball very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, I believe, is going to be a shootout. I'll talk about this one a little later. And New Orleans is second against the run. Miles Sanders went off last week, but I believe Miles Sanders is far and away better than Clyde. I think career-wise, Miles Sanders is going to be, he's going to finish a lot higher than Clyde will. My third sit is running back Ronald Jones at Atlanta. The Falcons are currently ranked 10th against the run. Ronald Jones is working with an injured finger, which, you know, doesn't sound like too much, but he's a running back, so he has to protect that football. And uh, the Bucks are a team where if Ronald Jones misses a block or if he drops a pass, they're going to put in, you know, Leonard Fournette or... 
crap, I forget who their other running backs are. Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back. Uh, Ronald Jones, even even with a healthy finger, he can't catch. He's not he's not much of a pass catcher. And even if he was, he doesn't seem like he's involved in the passing game too much. And Ronald Jones is a very hot and cold running back. Four games this year, he has over 100 yards. But in six games, he has under 60. So it seems like he's either going to get you, he's either going to win you a week or he's going to be the reason you lose. And you don't want him to be the reason that you lose in the playoffs. My fourth sit, running back Ezekiel Elliott. There against the 49ers. What was that? I said he hasn't really been playing good. Nah. But, I mean, a lot of people still believe in him. He's he's still a super, really, really good running back. Yeah. But the 49ers are eighth against the run. Zeke, and since week five, he's only had two, two games that I would consider good. Whether it's 100 yards or, you know, almost 100 and like a decent average. The Cowboys are currently worst in the league against the run. They're allowed 163 yards per game. And I think this is going to be just like the Vikings Bears. It's going to be another one of those low scoring, running the football, playing defense kind of games. Okay. And that'll do it. All right. Jason, you doing your fantasy football lineup this week? I do it every week. Uh, Of course, I play FanDuel. I'm actually picking up lineup as we speak as he was going through that. I thought you deleted your apps. <laughs> uh, my addiction came back into question. Oh, um, man. He said I deleted him for about 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah, because you were on a whole rant about it, man. I was worried about you for a second, buddy. So I'm going to give you all a little insight for a second of how frustrated my ass really was. So, of course, I played the Baltimore Ravens and uh, Cleveland Browns game. And um, I made a few lineups. And um, it looked like it was going very much my way. You know, I had, you know, went to take a piss break. You know, I was still at work, of course, watching it on TV. You know, did a couple rounds, came back to the TV, and I was like, wait a minute. Um, I'm so close to first place that it hurts. So, let me, first place was 138 points, 138.1 points. Right, that was first place. And the winners of first place uh, all got $16,275. Ooh. Now, I was, my number one lineup got me 129.6 points. I was a total of just under nine points away from thousands of dollars. I was ranked 688th overall out of 153,000 contestants. So you can see why I be wanting to scream. Because I be I could be so close, I could literally taste it. Mm. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Krabs. So, yeah. Oh, man. 
You're good, man. You're going to hit one one day. But we're going to go ahead and jump into our next topic of our quick picks for the week. I'm pretty sure I already know who uh, Josh's game of the week is. He probably have the same game of the week as me, but I'll wait. More than likely. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to start off with our locks of the week. Uh, Josh, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. As soon as I looked at the schedule, I immediately knew it's going to be the Rams over the Jets. (laughs) I have... I don't think it's even close. I have the Jets. The Jets are probably going to go 0-16. I don't believe they're going to win a game at this point. They had a chance against the Raiders, but, you know, their coaches sabotaged that one. Um, Yeah, the Jets, I don't see how really any of their players are any kind of focused right now, any kind of motivated wanting to win. You know, at this point, you're just like, I just want the season to get over. I just want to, you know, get out of here, try to try to get moved somewhere else in the offseason. Meanwhile, the Rams have a playoff spot. They're hitting their stride, and they seem to be 100% focused. Cam Akers is going to be getting the rock. And I have my uh, player of the week this week, actually. Let me get it. It's Robert Woods, wide receiver. I have him for 12 catches for 107 yards and two scores. So the Rams, they're not going to, they might not put up, you know, 40 to three like Seattle did, but I have, I have them winning this one 33 to seven. Okay. Uh, My lock of the week is the Browns over the Giants. Ooh. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Not because of Baker Mayfield, which I'm very impressed with his play. He's done very good. He's actually on a streak right now. Two plus TDs in three straight games. So, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on these Browns teams because Kevin Stefanski has done a very good job of coaching. Nick Chubbs has basically put new life into this team. The running game is looking better than ever. Kareem Hunt was even tearing it up on the field on Monday because I'm still stuck on that game. It was just fun to watch. The Giants are a very good team, too, because in reality, they could actually beat the Browns. They have a very good defense, but offense is still pretty much the issue for them. The Browns' defense is subpar at best. I don't want to call them mediocre because they do make plays, but the offense is looking good. Baker Mayfield looks like he's catching the rhythm and he's staying off of, you know, he's staying away from the cameras and the press talking about doubting him and everything, which is very good. He's finding his role, and he's sticking to it. But the Browns are going to beat the Giants 27-13. Hey, Jason, I think I just heard Matt say that he's drinking the brown juice. Oh, Lord. I said (laughs) Kool-Aid. I just wanted to point that one out. (laughs) I believe you get brown juice when you mix Grape and orange Kool-Aid, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> You're giving him too much. You're giving him too much credit for that. Oh no, we know he's talking about that shit, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Browns, twenty-seven, thirteen. Jason, who you got lock of the week? You dick. My lock of the week is the Baltimore Ravens over the Jaguars. It's not going to be close. So I'm saying maybe like twenty-eight to seven. As long as Lamar Jackson take a shit before the game. Hey, man, look, he did not pull a Paul Pierce, okay? 
he did not go take a duty and came back and went to Scooby. Okay, that's not what he did. Uh, he put too much hot sauce on his burrito during halftime. That's all. <laughs> With brains like that, you can't eat a burrito at halftime. Only uh, back. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. Raven quarterback. Raven. Uh, Ravens fans should be questioning their quarterback's decisions. <laughs> well, I want to know is. How the hell the backup come in for two plays and already tear his knee up? Can somebody please <laughs> tell me what the hell happened? You're the backup to the face of Madden. The Madden cover curse still real. Maybe. Bro, maybe Willie Sneed is their emergency quarterback, so maybe he paid him off. He was like, hey, man, go down a couple of plays. I'll take it over. And then Lamar came back in. Willie was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, the fans wipe his ass, dog. Like this motherfucker was in He's the like, game. hold down the fort, man. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that altercation right now. Like, bro, you the starter. I gotta run to the bathroom right quick. <laughs> it's like I'm only human, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay if you put the hot sauce on that burrito, man. Bro, that people looked at him on the side. I was like, hey, you're the captain now, and ran to the fucking bathroom. <laughs> That's exactly what the fuck happened right there, for real. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Upset of the week. Josh, what you got for me? Man, this is not me being biased, but I'm having the Broncos over the Bills. Oh. I believe Buffalo's, I think they won three in a row, and they're coming off of a win over Pittsburgh. I believe that Buffalo's going to overlook this game, kind of like how Kansas City almost overlooked Denver just enough. Almost. But we're going to get it done this time. Oh, uh, exactly. So Broncos. I need the Bills to lose anyway. <laughs> uh, he just being a hater. Oh, don't take the playoffs. I'll take the support, <laughs> man. I'll take the Denver support. Um, yeah, Buffalo's gonna overlook the Broncos. They're gonna be looking, you know, like over their shoulder at Miami a little bit, but they're you know more looking forward towards the playoffs. They're like, oh man, we can hang with the big boys up here. We just beat Pittsburgh. All right, we got this. We can beat Kansas City. And then they're going to be like, oh, shit. We just lost to Denver. I, I think it's going to be I think it's gonna be something like that. Like I said, Denver's 10th uh, in the league against the pass. And that's all the Bills have. The Bills don't have a running game. Josh Allen is their running game. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say that their leading rusher has like 300 yards. Oh, yeah. That's I'd, I'd have to look that up later. But... Yeah, the Bills don't have a running game. Broncos have a pretty good pass rush. Uh, we just lost a backup cornerback to injury. I believe Duke Dawson is out for the year. But, you know, he was he was a backup. He just came in uh, just temporarily. So, I mean, it sounds kind of cold, but we're not really going to miss him. But, yeah, I think Drew Locke, he's getting his getting a swagger a little bit. Melvin Gordon's going to get going. Um, Tim Patrick is, I don't. I don't know if most people around the league really know about him, but he's developing into a pretty solid wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. Dude, next year, once Cortland Sutton comes back, oh, man, it's going to be hype all over again. Uh, that's going to be a dark horse for next year? Man, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> uh, I got I got Denver over Buffalo, 26-21. Okay. Well, Josh, I'm sticking to my bet. I know we, me and Jason made a bet a couple uh, weeks oh, ago. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sticking to my bet. 
The Falcons over the Bucks, 27-20. The Bucks are on an identity crisis. They don't really know who they are. The Falcons are improving week by week, and they're slowly fixing that terrible secondary that we have. I still want my refund for Ty Gurley and that bullshit. <laughs> Matt Ryan definitely needs to sit his ass down. You know what? Matt Schwab needs to go ahead and start for the rest of the year. I guarantee we'll win out. <laughs> well, Matt Schwab will win out for the rest of the goddamn year. Because this man right here has no footwork. He can't move. That man stick to the goddamn turf like glue. He can't. So, I'm still taking. I'm taking the Falcons over the Bucks. The Falcons have played great since Morris took over. Um, of course, they've been a little bit iffy on offense. But the Bucks. One week they're good, one week they're okay. And then on top of that, they might not have Jones this week. And even if they did, we have a very good run defense. So it's going to be hard for them to lean on that run. They can't figure out what they are when it comes to the secondary. So I expect Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage to tear them apart. Julio plays, he's going to tear them apart. We'll make it enough plays to win the game 27-20. Hey, Matt, hypothetical. Jerry Jones comes knocking on your door and he says, I'll franchise Dak Prescott and how I'll, I'll trade him to you for Matt Ryan and a first round pick. Do you take well, that? I'll take it. That goddamn I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, take it. Hmm. I'll take it. What if it, what if it's like a, it should be like a top 10 pick, right? Yeah. We're in the top 10. We need to drop a quarterback anyway. True, true. Yeah, we need a quarterback anyway. We have the offensive line locked up for like another two, three years. We got Ridley, who's basically taking over for Julio Jones, even though Julio wants to stay. We need to keep Gage. Um, I don't know what happened with Hurst, but I'm hoping that he plays better next year. But he has like his moments. And we can use use the draft draft to build our defense with the rest of our picks and get a fucking running back. But we'll be set at quarterback, so I'll definitely take that. One, One more hypothetical. He says, I'll give you Dak and a third for Matt Ryan, a first-round pick, and Julio. I'm sorry. I can't take that deal. Absolutely not. Uh, I'll just draft Trey Lance. I mean, at this point, Julio Jones is only good for like seven games, right? I mean, it's that hamstring, which I fully blame Matt Ryan for, the injury-prone Julio Jones. Even though he still dropped passes every now and then, I I ain't going to pretend like I don't see that shit. You know, I'm just going to be honest. If if Drew Locke for the next few games goes back to, you know, making mistakes and just playing like shit, I wouldn't mind Matt Ryan as a Bronco he's, next year. He's a system quarterback. Matt That's Ryan? All, Matt Ryan is a system quarterback. He will work best if you just put him in a system. You notice that he is not a guy. If you look at, like, Matt Ryan's game, he is not a guy to make decisions on his own. Oh man, Bill Belichick's gonna come calling. Exactly. This is why I keep trying to tell Jason <laughs> that. Like Matt Ryan is not the type of guy to make decisions on his own. He hesitates. So if you put him in a system to where it's like, yo, match, slant. Okay, we're gonna go out there and throw a slant. Handoff. Okay, handoff. Play action. Okay. He's that type of quarterback. He's not the type of guy. Okay, we're gonna go out here. We're gonna run this slant play right quick, and then we're just gonna run a no huddle offense. I'm gonna improvise from here. He's no, he's no Aaron Rodgers, no Pat Mahomes, 
Lamar Jackson, Brady. Uh, Brady like, either. Yeah, he no Brady either. Like he can't go out there and just say, you know what? I'm going to just go ahead and do this. I've heard Atlanta fans complain about that too, but I always told them, take the shades off, clean your eyes out, and you will see what I've been saying for the past 10 years. Matt Ryan is a system quarterback. So, yes, as long as you put the right coach around him that's going to say, do this and do that, he can get you some wins. I just don't think he's no he's nowhere near Super Bowl. That's done. And I got a question. If the Bears offer you Mitch Trubisky in the first round, <laughs> you got me fucked up. <laughs> you got he said me. we don't need. He said we don't need an extra towel, boy. <laughs> Yo, Mitch Trubisky, boy, look here, Jason. I know I'm about thirty pounds overweight, but if I'll go out here. I'll lose it, get my footwork back. I can outplay Mitch Trubisky, dog. When that Falcons open trial for me, like I got it. <laughs> I got it right now. I could be the starting quarterback. But he mobile though. Look, look how mobile Mitch is. Look here, dog. I know we need mobile <laughs> quarterbacks, okay? I know that we need mobile quarterbacks. I'm not sitting here saying that you gotta be able to run like 50, like 90 yards and trip up like Daniel Jones. I'm just saying, you know, if I need a first down, I need you to go out there and get it. Would you take Carson? Would I take Carson? Yeah. In Atlanta. I'm kind of iffy on that, dog. I think he needs to, he he might end up over there on my team, so I might have to support him. I want to take him in Atlanta. The head, shoulders, knees, and toes. No, because I mean I understand it's pressure playing for you know Philly. In all reality, it is pressure playing for Atlanta. You do realize that Matt Ryan has sat here and did everything he could for us, and we still say he sucks. Yeah, because I don't know how the hell they get Matt Ryan's their problem. When he putting up 40 points in the defense, let the other team score 50. Exactly. So just imagine if Carson Wentz comes down here and, you know, we get the old Carson Wentz, the one that actually could have won MVP. And he out here, he balling. Now, all of a sudden, he have a game like Pat Mahomes where he throws three interceptions. I ain't no telling what's that going to do to his confidence when he go on social media and, and see people say he suck. And then on top of that, we can't let Atlanta, we can't let Atlanta draft a quarterback. Lord knows what's going to happen if that happens. All that being said, Matt Ryan's going to beat Tom Brady this week. Is what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Twenty-seven twenty. Jason, what's your upset? Let's see. I didn't really put my finger on what upset I want, but uh, my upset I really need. Let's see here. It might not even be an upset, to be honest. I honestly, yeah, look, yeah, I'm, I'm with Josh. My upset is the Broncos over the Bills. They need them motherfuckers to lose. <laughs> I ain't got time for you with this bullshit. What's your score, man? <laughs> oh, it's going to be a, a low scoring game. It's going to be, I'd say, 20 to 14. 20 to 14? Okay, that's not bad. All right. Game of the week. I'll just go ahead and say it because I know. Well, you know what? I'm going to let Josh, Josh go because I think we got the same game. Oh, I can guarantee you we have the same game. It's Chief Saints. I ain't really got to say much. You're probably going to say everything I, I want to say. What you got? The Chiefs, we don't really even need to go about them. They're red hot. Pat McGoat. They're... <laughs> <laughs> They are uh, the number one seed in the AFC. I don't think they're going to let that go. They're going to get the bye week. And this could be, I don't think it will, but there's a 
chance that it could be a Super Bowl preview. Um, New Orleans still has a great defense. I don't think that will be enough to slow down Mahomes much at all. So if you couple that with the offense, the Saints, they just got upset by Philly. They're not, I don't think that they're very happy about that. I think they want to go out and they just want to take whoever the next opponent is and just pummel them to the ground and make a statement. But unfortunately for them, that next opponent is Pat Mahomes. So that's not going to happen. Um, I'm not, I don't have the, uh, the latest on Drew Brees. I think there's a decent chance he could return. Because he was supposed to return last week, but he didn't. So if Drew Brees returns, then I have this being Kansas City 37, Saints 34. If it's Taysom Hill, I don't think it's even close. Yeah. Actually, I was kind of hoping Drew Brees play. But I think he is going to hang it up after this season because he got a lung injury and a rib injury. But this yeah, is has a... like... Yeah, he's fucked up. He has like <laughs> 60 ribs. Yeah, like he, he's fucked up. Like they cooking them damn ribs. But <laughs> it is a Super Bowl matchup that I was actually excited for because it's one of those games where it's like, damn, in the Super Bowl, I would love to see two greats. We It's rare that we kind of see two great quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. It's very rare. You know, you might get a great and then an average or like an up-and-comer. But Drew Brees versus Pat Mahomes, that would be something to watch. That would be a high-scoring affair. And I'm not sure, Jeff, what was your score on that game? Uh, 37-34. Okay, so we're about neck and neck because the Chiefs, I think it's like the past five games, they've been winning by seven of us. And people think that there's something wrong with that. I mean, like, they're still winning. But I got Chiefs over Saints 40-33. The Chiefs are good. Their offense is unstoppable, but their defense is flawed. So if Taysom Hill decided to turn it on for a little bit, he may be able to hang with that defense for a little while. But just like always, Chiefs get out to an early lead. Everybody else play from behind. That's how the game's going to go. I'm looking at the news here and Drew Brees has been throwing this week and Uh-oh. he's been, he has been activated from IR Uh-oh. and they're, they're saying that there's a, there's a chance he's going to play, but they're not going to rush anything, which makes perfect sense. Well, I heard so, James might start. No, I don't, I don't think <laughs> I, I saw, I saw a little thing that said he might start after Drew Brees has moved on, but nothing about, Jameis starting this week. Okay. Jason, just go ahead and be honest with me. I already know that your game of the week is the Buccaneers and Falcons. Actually, it's not. Oh, damn. Okay, so you're not egotistical today. My game of the week is going to surprise both of you because I feel like with the how the Eagles have turned things around in the last game, the Eagles versus the Cardinals are going to be a very interesting game to watch. Really, now? Two mobile quarterbacks. Kyler trying to catch a fire up on their ass because they've been taking some L's recently. And Jalen Hurts then turned the, the Eagles all the way around. You never know what might happen. Okay. What's your you know, I would, 
my score for that game, I think the Cardinals are still going to pull it out. But it's going to come down to a field goal. So probably going to be 24-27. I would would agree with that if Kyler Murray wasn't still banged up. If Kyler was healthy, that would definitely be, you know, in my – in my range of uh, picks for game of the week, and but with, yeah, um, I think you said Jason. You said Eagles and Panthers, right? Eagles and Cardinals. No, no, it's Cardinals. Oh, Eagles and Cardinals. Okay, continue. Yeah, if if Kyler was healthy, it will be really exciting to see Kyler versus Jalen Hurts. But you know, with Murray still dealing with that shoulder, I don't think it's going to be quite as exciting as it could be. Okay, Josh, I got a hypothetical for you. What's that? Eagles come to you right now. They say, fuck Carson Wentz. We'll give you Jalen Hurts for a first-round pick and Drew Locke. What you doing? They would give us Jalen Hurts for Drew Locke in a first? Yeah. I would take it. Really? I would take it. That's a one game? Yep. Not not necessarily after just just after one game from Jalen, but just seeing up and down from Drew and seeing Drew get hurt so many times. Jalen Hurts was good in college. So I would I would definitely I I would go with Jalen. Okay. All right, guys. We'll go ahead and hop into our next topic, the final two topics that we're actually on right now. We're going to talk a little bit about WWE TLC. Now, I already know I'm going to piss a lot of people off because honestly, I feel like wrestling fans can be a little bit too sensitive about stuff. It's opinions. Just scroll past them. Don't have to always act on them. Or just don't give a fuck at all. But I'll be completely honest with you. You really don't have to watch WWE anymore to really keep up with it. You can just sit here and skip on through, look at some highlights on Bleach Report, and then look at the pay-per-view. So we are actually going to go ahead and jump into these picks. So let's see here. All right, Josh, Jason. Yep. Daniel Bryan versus Jey Uso. I think Jey Uso is going to win. You know, with the storyline with Roman. Actually, no, 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 no. I changed my mind. Daniel Bryan is going to win because you got the little controversy between Jay and Roman. You know, Jay would lose a match and Roman would scold him for it. I think that he would disappoint again. And that will be one of the first steps in the building Daniel Bryan into a main event contender for Roman's title. Hmm. Okay. I actually actually completely agree with Josh on that one. Of course, it's WWE, so they could easily fuck this up. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I like the singles push they've been trying to give uh, Jay, but when they brought out the I'm going to get him t-shirt and they hit a little small ass, be coming out to, you know, be an advocate for Roman Reigns, I'll be dying laughing on the inside. Like, <laughs> every, time I, every time I see that and he'd be like, I'm going to get him, I'll just start dying laughing on the inside because, you know, he, I like his shit. It'd be funny as hell. But everything is going towards, you know, Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. If you don't know that by now, go ahead and just get on you know, just get on the internet. You'll see it because you're going to know everything about WWE six months in advance. So, yeah, Daniel Bryan, 
over Jey Uso, set up the match with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is doing some of his best work right now anyway, so that match should be a classic. Next up, Bobby Lashley versus Matt Riddle for the United States title. I have Lashley retaining. I really like Matt Riddle. His, like, bro nuts and everything that he's doing backstage. Just really, I think that's pretty funny. But I also really like the Hurt Business. And I like, I like the whole story surrounding them with the whole little, little hints of Cedric Alexander just, you know, kind of going on his own a little bit, getting a little, getting a little, uh, letting his success go to his head a little bit. So I do think, I think Bobby Lashley's going to retain here. And I'll talk a little bit about the tag team titles later. Actually, I want Riddle to win this match because I feel like they need to set him on a little, he needs a push considering what they're about to do to to Keith Lee. I feel like they need to push Riddle to keep us interested. I can see it. I can see it leading to a triple threat match with Keith Lee at like the next pay per view. Yeah, but you guys know that they're sending Keith Lee back to the performance center. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, that's right. How are you sending how are you sending Keith Lee to the performance center, but you're keeping Nia Jax on the main roster? Because Nia Jax is related. Nia Jax is related to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I don't give a fuck about that. I know. Nobody should really care about that. But unfortunately, when you and that family, you know, WWE kind of panders to it. You know, it's kind of like the Hart family back in the day before the accident. I ain't going to speak on that on the network, but you guys know what I'm talking about. But, I mean, Keith Lee just wasn't what Vince McMahon wanted him to be. And they started making him do things that wasn't him. They want him to learn how to do selling and everything. They took everything away that made Keith Lee Keith Lee. Because they made him heal as soon as he got to the roster. No, he wasn't a heel when he got to the roster. You can't be a heel with that outfit. Shit. <laughs> Not with that outfit. Maybe if they would have brought him in with the bask in his glory, with the hoodie over his head, the sideburns that were always on point, that lineup that was just great, and you just let him be egotistical and go on the ring and put on great performances, yeah, that would have been a heel. But, you know, they make him come in. They say, you know what? We don't want you to show your stomach. We don't like it. So go ahead and put them straps on. Now I'll feel ugly as hell. You know they real you know they ruin his music and everything. So you know, it's not Keith Lee's fault. It's just he wasn't what they wanted him to be. And I feel like they pushed him up too soon anyway. If they really cared about the Wednesday night wars, Keith Lee should have stayed and had a longer title reign. But no, they decided to do the other bullshit. But back to the other point at hand. I'm going to take Bobby Lashley because I feel like the Hurt Business is about to go through a major push because they're exciting. They're fun to watch. And I don't even really watch Raw like that. I'm being honest. But when I do look up highlights, I look up the Hurt Business. You know, MVP's doing great work. Bobby Lashley's finally getting a good, a nice little push. Hopefully he gets his title shot, like a main title push one day. But Riddle's good. It's just not yet because I'm hoping they don't send him back either because I know it's things that Vince don't like about Riddle either but the match itself should be one to watch but I'm still taking Bobby Lash in now he's going to retain the title I just want to say that I, I can't stand up? I can't stand when they take away names I can't I hate that they named him Riddle now like it's so stupid just keep it Matt Riddle 
You know what I mean? Like Andrade, they yeah. took out his last name. Yeah. For hey. for a minute, for a minute, uh, Mustafa Ali was just Ali. Like this, it doesn't make any sense. Just leave their names how they are. They're fine. Yeah. You know what'd be funny though? What's that? If Matt Riddle's finisher was Riddle Me This. Oh man. Next. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it. Well, okay. well, the the other week, the other week, uh, they were having a promo backstage, Riddle and the New Day, and then Xavier Woods said he was like, "No, for the last time." Um, what was it G four? Yeah. The uh, the game. Yeah, he was like, he was like, for the last time, I'm not gonna, you know, throw out an idea for a for a show called Riddle Me This. Nah, man. It just would have been funny as hell, but Michael Cole would have sold the hell out of it. I made it sound God. like it was something good. <laughs> well, well, Cole's on SmackDown, so luckily. Actually, my favorite. Because he's coming from Dragon Ball Z. The final match. You talking about that knee? Yes. Put some respect on the actual name, boy. It's called Kumagoya. Boy, that is the final flash. <laughs> I understand for Western uh, wrestling fans, it's a final flash. For me, it's a Kuma Goya. But yeah, that man stole that shit from goddamn uh, Trunks on Dragon Ball Z and Vegeta. That shit was amazing. That is brutal as fuck, which makes it even better. Alright, man. I got you. Next matchup, and I know this is going to be a quick one. SmackDown Tag Team Titles. Street Profits versus Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. I'm not even going to waste no time. Street Profits. I don't know what Dolph Ziggler or Robert Roode's doing. I'm mad at Robert Roode. They wasted him. I agree, Street Profits. I don't care about this match at all. I'm not a fan of the Street Profits, really. Uh, Montez Ford has a mean-ass frog splash. But other than that, I don't really care for them. I I couldn't care less who wins this match. I think it's just, this is the bathroom break match. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. doesn't matter this to me what they do. smoke break match. Hilarious. Bring back, bring back the boogeyman and have him take, on, take out all four of these guys. I don't care. Yeah, but... Next match. This one right here is going to be a show stiller. The New Day versus The Hurt Business. Yeah, we saw this match a couple times on Raw, but this it's still going to be really good. I think that Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin are going to win. And then you're going to have Lashley with the U.S. title and then these guys with the tag titles. MVP is going to come out cocky as ever. You know, talk about how he's managed these guys and now we all got all the gold. Maybe that eventually leads to a Lashley world title push or something like that. I don't know, but I've been thinking about that. But I don't. I gotta see how this plays out because I've been thinking about that. That that would be nice, but I mean, Drew's doing a good job right now. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna win the title right now, but or who knows? Maybe they bring in somebody else into the hurt business, and then they can challenge for for a title. If it wasn't for if it wasn't for the, um, you know, the the news about Keith Lee going back to developmental, I wouldn't mind seeing Keith Lee part of the Hurt Business. Man, I wrote about that a couple months back. And it just made me think about it. Since they're going back there and they're rebranding them, I believe the MVP keeps saying there's one more spot in the Hurt Business. So if there is one more spot in the Hurt Business, go ahead, just bring Keith Lee back, give him a refresh push, and boom, there we go. Yeah, unless we see, you know, a late late career return of Ron Simmons. <laughs> oh, hell no. Nah. Wait, so you can come back and say, damn. 
<laughs> or, or what we could see is a heel turn by Big E on New Day, and he joins the Hurt Business at TLC. I'm, I'm not gonna rule that one out, but I just don't see it happening. You see, I wouldn't mind that, but it's just the fact that Big E's on SmackDown, yeah. and her business on Raw. I mean, you know, WWE doesn't give a shit about the about the brand split. So if they wanted to do that, they would do that with no explanation. Let's be Which... completely honest here. <laughs> oh, sorry, Josh. Let's, let's let's be completely honest, and it's the obvious that I wish people would really stop ignoring, especially Michael Cole. So, like, when Drew McIntyre showed up on SmackDown, oh, my gosh, he's on SmackDown. My nigga, y'all record this shit in the same fucking arena. Of course he's on SmackDown. He can just walk out there anytime he wants. So, hell, yeah, they can actually do that if they want to. It's not like they got to travel. You can just sit here and beat your ass night. Be like, I'll see you Monday. And I got to go do this show Friday. It's all at the same place. They can do a whole invasion angle right now. And that shit would be hilarious <laughs> because they're all in the same arena. They're invading. They're having the I, whole show and SmackDown just sitting in the parking lot waiting for their time to come in. Boy, that'd be funny as hell. I could hear, I could hear Michael Cole on commentary be like, they're invading their own home. Boy, that would be hilarious. Oh, man. I'll leave him alone, though. He does a good job. It's just some of the things that some of the things that he says that he tries to sell, it's just so funny because it's like, do you really see this shit? And he's doing an impeccable job doing selling it too. Right, like, probably kill me. Like it's the hurt business. Where did they come from, nigga? The break room? The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it is ridiculous break room. <laughs> oh man, I remember when the shield used to come out. He'd be like, "Where are they coming from? They come from the same spot every single time." Yeah, or like when they're when they're fighting, and then it goes to commercial, and then you know the next act is up, the next the next match is about to begin. Like you know, they just follow each other to the locker room, right? Oh man, this shit is funny as hell. People are gonna hate this, but it's gonna be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, man. We love wrestling, but people you gotta learn how to be critical of the things you love. It's okay, it's just funny. You can still enjoy it. Next match, though. Well, we already on the next match. We are. Uh... Who'd you pick for this? For what? Her, her business or New Day? Oh, I pick her business. Jason? Uh, New Day. I'm taking her business. I think this is like a passing of the torch a little bit. New Day has been champion. They kind of really don't need the belts anymore. Xavier seems like he's being sent off to G4 TV land. So I don't really know what's going to happen there. But New Day, all day Classic. long for that. Passing the torch to the young man, Shelton Benjamin. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> man, this this young kid has so much potential. Oh, my God. That shit crazy. Another pointless match. Or, we get two bathroom matches, uh, you know, smoke break matches. Women's tag team titles. I completely forget that they exist sometime. Now, and... now. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, go ahead. I just want to say, I don't think this is going to be a bathroom break match. Shayna and Nia, hear me out. So on Raw, right, uh, Lana beat Nia Jax one-on-one, and then Shayna and Nia came out and beat the shit out of her. Like, messed up her leg, and they they announced that she is out of the match. So now it's Asuka, and she doesn't have a partner. What I'm thinking is we see a return. Oh, 
you think Charlotte's going to be your partner? That was really bad. But, yeah, I, I think Charlotte's coming back. I actually did think about that until I looked at the goddamn card. That that might be an excellent tag team partner for Oscar. See, I, I'm torn, though. If if Charlotte comes back, I think that they're going to have Charlotte turn on Oscar in the middle of the match. And that's how they're going to start the start the rivalry for the title. Because when's the last time Asuka had a credible challenger? Like she, she defended against Lana. And then before that, I think it was Zelina. Before that, I don't even I don't even remember. Asuka's been involved in this shenanigans for like two months now. Like without cheating, only person that's ever beat Asuka has been Charlotte. Everybody else has had to cheat to beat Asuka. Or they just got beat straight up. Well, Sasha yeah, which Banks is... got a clean win. Who has a clean win? Sasha Banks. She got a clean win. Well, yeah, Sasha got a clean win, and they literally put Becky over because that match was bullshit, and you know it. I mean, we all know it, but I don't know. <laughs> no, but I mean, I can see that Shayna and Nia is not going to lose the belts either way it go. But I mean, if this is their way of setting up that match, then I mean, what this is like the it feels like we've seen this match a hundred times already. But they always find a new way to make it better. So I mean, that'll be a nice little push. Me personally, if I just had to do something just to get a good match out of it, Eo Shirai sitting down there too. Just make her a tag team partner. That's or uh, Ray Ripley, because Ray Ripley's about to come up from NXT. That'll be a good challenger for Nia. For not Nia, but for Asuka. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a hell of a match. Yeah, because Ray um, Ripley, she's about to come up. Yeah, I was going to mention this earlier, but I wanted to, you know, kind of save it. When we were talking about, uh, you know, wrestlers being brought back down to, to improve in the ring, and I was talking about Nia. And, you know, we're talking about how she's, you know, related, so she's not going to get fired. The only way I see her actually getting fired is if she hurts someone like Charlotte. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But if she were to, you know, do something really bad to someone like Charlotte, someone that Vince, like, loves, and then I just injures her or something. Yeah, because she should have been back in the Performance Center. Yeah, she should have never left the Performance Center. Oh, I think after, yeah, after the whole Becky Lynch thing, her ass would have been fired if I was in charge. Oh, man. <laughs> man, they'll figure that shit out. I don't really know what to say about that anymore because she, she really is going to hurt somebody. But she already has, yeah. Yeah, it's like every other week. But they'll figure out something for her. Next match. The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. I feel like this match is really too soon. They really didn't do anything to kind of build the story, except for on Monday, which, you know, you there's fire, there's the Fiend, and Raw still gets its lowest ratings. Yeah. So, yeah, I have I don't fiend. know how this is going to go. Yeah. Neither do I. I honestly have no idea. I have the Fiend winning this one just because I don't... I don't see the point in building up the theme like this just to have Randy beat him in their first match. I think that um, as the theme, yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 as the theme. 
Fiend should beat him, and then maybe Randy's off TV for a few weeks or a month, maybe. Give him give him a little bit of time, and then move on Fiend to, you know, whatever else you want to do. I could see Alexa Bliss getting involved somehow. But honestly, I love The Fiend. I love Bray Wyatt. But I don't know what they have planned for him. I just feel like I just feel like if you don't give Bray 100% full creative control over what he wants to do, you know, who he wants to feud with, his stories. If you don't do that, it's you're just going to ruin him. Like they already kind of did that with Seth and with Goldberg. But I don't, you know, I don't think the Fiend needs a title. I don't think he should be in the Rumble. I, I don't know. I mean, they I have kind to... of ruined opportunities. Like they, they could have pushed out a, they could have pushed out an Undertaker and the Fiend cinematic match. That would have been amazing. Maybe that'd have been so cool if Taker Survivor Series send off was interrupted by the Fiend. Oh, man, you know, you can't <laughs> tell the internet that I made one comment. I made two comments about that match. Not that match, but that little ceremony. People lost their damn mind. I didn't even say nothing negative. Only thing I said was, y'all brought everybody to the ring just to send them right back to the locker room. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then on top of that, it takes it did, y'all did not need forty five minutes to send off Undertaker. The Paul Bear hologram was a nice touch, but y'all did not need forty five minutes to send off Undertaker. We know it takes them a long time to get to the ring, but damn. It took y'all a whole total forty-five minutes just to say goodbye. And why? That wasn't necessary. Why the hell was Kane in his gear? Oh, that shit was hilarious. <laughs> I think he didn't know. I think nobody told him. <laughs> Dude, the memes that came out of that was amazing. Nobody told him what day it was. <laughs> the, the only thing that got on my nerves about that was the video package that they played with Metallica. That was cool. I liked it. Yeah. But then when you play it again on Raw the next night, and they're like the celebration of his career continues on raw and then on smackdown they play it again and then they say it again like stop you should only play it once if you want to see it look it up on youtube yeah they'll be okay though <laughs> uh, it's, it's just super annoying yeah, i just feel like they shouldn't have took 45 minutes i mean i enjoyed it i love the undertaker he was my favorite superstar growing up but i just feel like 45 minutes and then Next thing you know, we may have a WrestleMania match where the Undertaker's retired, but Mark Calloway's not. So it's gonna be, <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be Calloway versus the Fiend. So <laughs> Undertaker, Undertaker's retired, but Big Evil just made his comeback. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying we're gonna start bringing back scenarios, and we then we're gonna have to retire everybody. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. Undertaker may go in the Hall of Fame twice. He may go in three times for Mark Calloway, Undertaker, and the American Badass Undertaker. You know how David be get down. <laughs> But I'm gonna take Bray Wyatt over Randy Orton. I feel like this is a throwaway match. It it should be decent, but I'm I'm getting worried about the Fiend because, like you said, they need to give him control. I like the unpredictable, like the unpredictableness of him, but it's kind of like we're at the point like where do we go from here with him? Because we got Alexa Bliss, but where else do we go from here? Are we gonna build a whole faction for him, or are we just gonna do little subliminal messages and teasers of who we might face or who we might not face? I don't exactly. Know. You got yeah. You got Alexa Bliss. She's been she's been really good. She's been great. Oh yeah, but, I love her. But a- but you know, in a storyline like this, eventually, you know, it's gonna be like Taker and Paul Bearer back in I think it was like '05, when Fiend's gonna be like, you know, I realize now that Alexa is my only weakness. 
and now I got to get rid of my only weakness. So yeah. I, I feel like it's only a matter of time now before before Alexa gets fiended. I don't I don't know. Yeah. So let's see here. SmackDown's woman title, Sasha Banks versus Carmella. Sasha Banks has just won this title. She's not going nowhere. Carmella's coming back. Um, Carmella hasn't really ever been like a bad wrestler. She's actually pretty good. The match should be great. Sasha Banks is going to retain, though. It's one of the most predictable matches on the card. I agree. Just another example of WWE having rematch after rematch. They just had this last week or two weeks ago on SmackDown. It ended in a DQ, but... Sasha's gonna win this match. Carmella's good, but her new character—I don't. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, but we all know how much WWE loves a good disqualification. Oh my! That's God. the way they save face on everything. We don't want to give neither one of these guys a loss. Disqualify. Bring back James Ellsworth. Oh yeah, they can do that. I'll watch it then because I just want to laugh at that. Point. <laughs> all right, now we're going to the main event. Jason, Jason, you got a pick for this? I think Jason went off to do something right quick. Hold on, let's wait. See. Here we go. Let's see. Where, who would I want to pick? Honestly, I would love the upset because I feel like Kevin Owens never gets enough chances. But at the same time, I would like for them to lead the Hurt Business into you know, the title picture. So if AJ Styles beats McIntyre, have Lashley take the belt off AJ and just do it that way. But I know Kevin Owens is not going to win because the family, there's not going to, the tribe is not going to allow it. And I think the AJ Styles uh, McIntyre match is going to be pretty good. So they're probably not going to cause any interference there. They're both TLC matches, but I think that what we're going to see is one ladder, one table broken, and maybe about 50 chairs thrown in the ring for both matches. Uh, I second you on that motion. <laughs> yeah. Josh? Yeah, I, I I agree. Which which match specifically are we on? I know because Jason went into both matches. He went full and I started. I, I was I had to bring myself away from the mic. I was laughing. Like this um, man, he went straight analytics and broke down both matches. I'm saying like God, leave this ESPN. <laughs> no, uh, Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles. Uh this is the one match I'm really like. You know, anything can happen. I could see AJ winning. And then Miz trying to cash him money in the bank. But Sal's bodyguard takes them both out. So either, you know, he cashes in and then, you know, his bodyguard um, helps Styles win the match. Or it's one of those false cash-ins when his bodyguard takes just takes him out before he has a chance to. But I could also see McIntyre winning the match. And then Miz comes in to cash in and then he hits the Claymore on him. And, you know, walks out the champion. You know, I forgot all about that well-dressed giant. <laughs> How can you forget about that game? Michael Orr from Blindside. Yep, that motherfucker big as hell. Man, how he can you forget about him? He opened up the door for Shane McMahon in Raw Underground. <laughs> I don't watch, look, I, I haven't watched wrestling in so long. Raw Underground doesn't exist for me. It's just, it's some shit you hear about on the web, on the internet. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't exist, exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> It just flat out doesn't exist anymore. Literally, it's not it's not a thing anymore. No, but that big man ain't gonna do nothing. He most likely just gonna stand there, dog. I don't know if we ever gonna see him in the ring, but I hope so. But it is one big motherfucker. 
But he like seven foot eight, some shit like that. I feel like he's yeah. a little bit too old to be uh, uh AJ Styles is a little bit too old to be doing like you know uh, HBK Diesel type thing right now. <laughs> then he looks like Sandra Bullock in uh, Blindside, so it only it doesn't help me <laughs> that much. <laughs> oh man, it's perfect. Look, the more he gets older, bro, the more and more his hair gets more luxurious. I think he's in competition with Jericho. Bruh, he's like a soccer mom. <laughs> if you take the facial oh, hair off of him, he looks like a soccer mom. Bro, Jericho looks just like Kelly Leffler, that Georgia senator. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but leave Jericho alone, bro. Jericho, Jericho got like two, three years left, and then he's going to be gone. We're going to be crying when that man Look, leaves. Jericho sells uh, gift shop t-shirts in Panama City. That's how he looks out here these days. I am not dealing with you on this <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. I don't think it's gonna happen, but maybe Styles wins and then turns out Miz and Morrison paid off his bodyguard and his bodyguard lays out Styles and lets Miz cash in. I would love to see something like that, mainly because it would be different. The internet would get angry and I would laugh. <laughs> like, I don't think that's gonna happen, but I mean, it's a long shot, man. It's a long shot. We got a better chance of Ghana's bringing a ring to Milwaukee in the next five years than we have of, you know, this particular event happening. But overall, that match is going to be good. I like Drew McIntyre matches. And then AJ Styles, he can put on a match with damn near anybody. So McIntyre's win, and he's going to take on another veteran. I don't know what they're doing with the money in the bank cashing. I feel like this is the perfect pay-per-view to actually cash it in. But we'll see what happens. But that was a nice, interesting twist. I would love to see something like that. And as far as I know, Jason already told us about Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. That's just straightforward. Yeah, (laughs) all the statistics. (laughs) Like That's just a straightforward right there. Roman Reigns has been doing some of the best heel work in the business right now. And... I don't know what they're doing with Kevin Owens, but Kevin Owens knows how to have a good match. He's not going to win. This man is very uh, discriminative against Kevin Owens, mainly because of that bare belly, and I feel like that's not fair. Roman Reigns retains, and then everybody, we're going to watch the sunset on the Roman Reigns empire of this greatness he's given us as a heel, because he's going to face Goldberg soon. Oh, man. Nobody wants to see that. Goldberg wants that. Yeah, Goldberg wants that, man. We're talking about nobody wants to see that. Goldberg. I can. I, I also, obviously, Reigns is going to win. But I feel like Jimmy's going to return. And then Jimmy and Jay are both going to take out KO. And TLC is going go to go to credits at the end of the night with Roman standing in the middle of the ring and both the Usos next to him. I'm just waiting for that, man, because that's the only thing that needs to happen at this point. Yeah. Just, just to keep me interested. And maybe he can go and grab Nia and teach her how to you know, work. All right, here's what we need. Okay, here's what we need to end the show. Mm-hmm. Usos come out. Naya comes out. No, not Naya. Screw Naya. Rikishi comes back. Mm-hmm. And then they they end the show doing like a cool, too cool dance with the music. <laughs> and it, all of them, Roman, Jimmy, J, Rikishi, and Paul Heyman are all just dancing around the ring. <laughs> Now, we both know Paul Heyman has no rhythm. Let's, let's be clear. Which is why I want to see it. Boy, do you know that Vince McMahon is going to go into a coma after looking at that? 
Now, what would be a much better ending if they were smart and wanted to completely annihilate AEW in this ratings war would be to, if Rakishi does show up, bring that Samoan faction he has destroying the indie scene with him and let Roman be the head of the table and have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bodies to run rough shot over the entire WWE. But no, that's not going to happen. We know, man. That would be nice, though, but that faction has been quiet as of late, especially during the virus, so I still feel like Vince should sign them, just like he should have signed, uh, God, Lee. I cannot remember the champion's name over in MLW right now. Jake Fatu. He should have yeah, signed him. Yeah, Uso's little brother. Nah, I don't, I don't think that's Uso's little brother, though. Wait, you sh- wait I, I think I got the names mixed up. Hold on. Yeah, I don't think that's Uso's little brother. I know their brother was the champion in the indie scene. I just can't remember his name. No, he's over in um, he's over in Joseph Fatu is the little brother. Yeah, yeah, I think he's over in AEW. I think I've seen him on AEW Dark. But yeah, they should sign Jacob Fatu because he's a part of the Anua family, so he's related to them. That would have been a great storyline as far as like the guy to actually come in and wrestle Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Like if the Rock, if the Rock actually brought him in and that was his debut, that would have been a nice little touch. But, you know, he signed a multi-year deal to stay with MLW, so we'll see how that goes. But for our final topic of the day, because I know we've talked a lot today. It's been pretty fun. It's been cold as hell outside, and I'm starting to get a little bit hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to get hungry as a motherfucker over here. So for the final topic of the day, we're going to go right back to football, and we're going to talk about just a little bit the Ravens and the Browns. That was an incredible game on Monday. If you haven't seen it, go and watch a rerun of it. Go on YouTube and just look at the highlights. The game overall was great. Everybody is going to talk about Lamar Jackson shitting out all his anxiety and worries and then carrying the Ravens to a win. <laughs> so the Toilet paper on his foot. Yep, I saw it. I thought it was the only one. <laughs> so my last question is, right now, Ravens or Browns, if they were to step into the playoffs, who would be the more dangerous team? I want to say the Browns only because if you shut down the Ravens running game, then it's all over. Okay. Yeah, I think the Browns can still throw the ball better. I can definitely see either way. I really like the Browns. I, I want to say the Browns because the Browns have just been proving themselves lately. Baker's been really efficient. He's, you know, turning into the quarterback that Cleveland wanted, that Cleveland needed. You know, without Odell, there's, you know, less distractions going on. He's yeah. been hitting his, getting uh, some rookies involved, Don Peoples-Jones. Their defense has been improved. But, you know, Matt, we know that you're, leaning towards the Browns in this one, so I got to be the one to kind of speak out for Baltimore. Baltimore, they have the better defense. Yeah. And the only thing that has me has me kind of, you know, teetering in this one is Lamar Jackson. If, this is a big if, but if he can get back on track, it's definitely Baltimore, and I can see them making a run in the playoffs. But... I think if I were to bet between Cleveland and this happening with Baltimore, I would lean Cleveland. 
you know, Cleveland, like I said, they've improved themselves. They've been showing what they're capable of. They got a great running game. But that that's that's really it. If Baltimore can get if Lamar can get going, Baltimore could be very dangerous. Yeah. The thing I liked about that game, especially after Lamar Jackson went to the bathroom, it seemed like he just basically shitted out all of those worries, all of those identity crises that he was having. It's like he just let it all out. That burrito did it. The burrito may have saved the Baltimore Ravens franchise. Get that mental picture in your heads. Yes, put that mental picture in your heads at the end of the year. That burrito, that company that he bought that burrito from deserves a Super Bowl ring if they ever get one. Because it did something to him. It was like a laxative. It shit out all the bullshit that was in Lamar Jackson. And it brought back Lamar Jackson that we knew. The Lamar Jackson that was always hyped up. That just went out there and just controlled the game and just beat the shit out of you. He would constantly attack. It brought that back. Because the funniest thing about that shit was this man literally said, hey, yo, I got to run to the bathroom right quick. You the starter now. Because somebody came and knocked on the door and said, hey, bro, buddy got hurt. Oh, shit. Got to come back now. And he said, you know what? We ain't leaving leaving without a victory. That's exactly what he said. Because if you notice, the Cleveland Browns, they picked up the pace when Lamar Jackson went out. That man, Kevin Stefanski, was like, hey, look here, Baker. Our defense ain't shit. We can't stop him. So we're going to have to go out here, and you're going to have to shine. And Baker said, okay, Coach, Hulu got live sports. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> and they went out there, and they balled. But when that boy Lamar Jackson <laughs> came out the bathroom, it was over. That man went out oh, there, and he man. destroyed Cleveland. So, yeah, I can, I completely can see your point of view because it's like they found their identity again. We're going to fuck you up with the run game, kill you with quick passes, and let our defense do the work. They found that. But for Cleveland, it's just that I'm proud of them, man, because they are not the same brown pieces of shit that we're normally used to seeing. They're no longer diarrhea. They are a solid piece of turd. Okay? So... Yeah, I just want to see how ironic it is that this happened against the Browns. I think it's... <laughs> all right, here's, here's my prediction, okay? All right, what's going to happen is the Ravens are winning the Super Bowl. Lamar is going to win MVP. He's going to go up there, get the mic in front of him and say, first of all, first and foremost, I want to thank Taco Bell. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, you telling me it was a chalupa box? Oh, man. <laughs> he had the El Diablo sauce. I knew it. I think it was the cheesy gordita crunch. You know, a wise oh, man. man named Tupac once said, the Browns look like doo-doo. Look Lamar here, said, not as much as this toilet. <laughs> I'll just say, Jason, look here, man. Eventually, you're going to have to wake up and smell the roses. Because roses smell like boo-boo, too, boy. You better check out, Cass. And then on mm. top of that, they, this is not the same Browns team. I know that you're looking at that record, and you're like, all right, so? But, you know, they're doing good. Baker found his role. They told him to shut up, and here's what you go out here and do. They lean on the run game. The defense know how to make plays. Kevin Stefanski is a great coach. This is not the same Browns team, Jason. You can let it go. You know when you hear water running and it makes you want to pee? 
Does uh, looking at the Browns defense make you want to shit? No, Jason, it does not. Looking at the Falcons defense makes me want to do that. Oh, I, dude, do you think that every time Baker goes into the huddle, he ends, he says the play, and then he's like, all right, guys, remember who has live sports? I believe he does. <laughs> the only reason That's I say be... that is because I keep seeing it on TV. So it's just like every time I think of Baker Mayfield, I remember that Hulu has live sports. Dude, that's all right. New prediction. Cleveland wins Super Bowl. Oh, Baker shit. Mayfield wins MVP. And he says, first of all, who has live sports? I would love it because I, they want him to say I'm going to Disney World. But as we know, and I apologize to say this, Disney World is shut down right now. So he can go to Disney Plus and watch a movie, and that could be like an experience. So he can say Hulu has live sports. And guess what? He's going to get a pay raise. <laughs> he might get full commercials next year. Oh, man. I, I mean, at this point, I think he will. Cleveland's going to make the playoffs, and, you know, he's going to have even more uh, – publicity going around yeah maybe maybe lamar gets like a pepto commercial or something i don't know oh hell no <laughs> hilarious and in, in all seriousness though in all seriousness though they said it was a cramp but okay. we all know I, we all know that's just a cover story but you know it, it was a cramp i'll put it this way if it was a cramp he's gonna partner with shaq for an icy hot commercial in the summer of 2021 if it was really a cramp, everybody knows a stomach cramp always leads to bubble guts. Of course, it was a cramp. It always starts <laughs> off that way. I'm just saying, though. Oh man, it's gonna be running. <laughs> with the way he was running, he just looked like he looked like he had to take shit. It's gonna be a duo commercial. It's gonna be for either icy hot or Pepto, and then it's also gonna be Hulu. Lamar's gonna be in the bathroom, and then Baker's gonna come up and be, "Hey, man." Who has life sports? You know what? We'll take it a step further before I go ahead and just, you know, get off get off the podcast for the day. Because it's been a fun episode. So Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl. And you know how they give you a car when you're the MVP? Mm-hmm. You get a lifetime supply of charm and toilet paper. <laughs> That's the last thing I gotta say. Jason and Josh, do you have any comments? And a $300 gift card to Taco Bell. Boom. And 15 right cases of flushable wipes from Sam's Club. <laughs> I'm so done. But along with uh, me, Josh, and Jason, we want to thank you guys for listening to this. We'll be back next week with some more craziness. Also, you can follow me on Facebook on the group FOE Podcast. You can follow Josh on Facebook or even on Twitter at J underscore Ho 34. And then you can also follow the petty guy, Jason, by his name, Jason McDonald, even though we're not going to accept those friend requests. But you can follow him on Two Petty Productions on Facebook, Instagram, and also Twitter. But we will see you guys later, and we are out. My uncle uh, yesterday, now we always talk about, you know, Matt Ryan in Atlanta because he doesn't like Matt Ryan. He just never liked him at all. Matt Ryan is good. I understand he's no Michael Vick. I know Atlanta likes their you know, mobile quarterbacks. But I need Atlanta fans to get this thought out their mind that Matt Ryan is staying. Stop. The Falcons are about to approach a rebuild. Every coaching candidate that they're looking at is an offensive coordinator, 
like let's say uh, Eric Bieniemy, Brian Doble. I cannot remember the offensive coordinator's name from the Seahawks, but they all have one thing in common: a mobile quarterback, a faster system. Matt Ryan is not going to be here when a new coach comes to town. Because he is not mobile. If you look at his games, especially this year, it's like he got concrete on his feet. He cannot move. He cannot create plays. He's just stuck in that small bubble that they call a pocket, and he can't do anything outside of it. So if you guys really sit here and think that they're going to bring in a new GM and a new coach, and they're going to keep Matt Ryan as their quarterback, that's insane. Matt Ryan is old NFL. This is a new NFL. You got to be mobile. Hell, even Tom Brady tries to be mobile now. I've noticed that. Aaron Rodgers is still mobile. Matthew Stafford is mobile. They all may not be the fastest, but they know how to create plays with their feet. Matt Ryan is a 2000 to 2005 quarterback. I'm going to sit in this pocket and I'm going to throw the ball. The game ain't like that no more. You got to be able to move. The defenses are faster. For you guys to continuously sit here and believe that Matt Ryan is going to be there, it's ridiculous. And also, I want to shut down another room for all the Falcons fans that don't know how to get on the internet and do some research. Matt Ryan is not married to Arthur Blank's daughter. Can y'all please stop that bullshit? <laughs> He's never been married to Arthur Blank's daughter. If that's your reason for why this man is not going anywhere, that is stupid. Arthur Blank, as old as he is, realizes in old age, he wants to win one before he, he's over. Okay. Do people so, actually think that, or are they just being sarcastic? Yes. No, people actually think that. I came to my uncle. He was on the phone, and the person on the phone like, no, nah, Matt Ryan not going nowhere. You know, he married all the blind daughter. Five <laughs> more people that same day. Matt Ryan not going nowhere. He, he married all the blind daughter. That shit is so annoying. People. So, it just takes a quick Google search. And I just want to pull up this one, one thing. Let me see if I can get it up right quick. Arthur Blank's daughters. Dina Blank, Danielle Blank, Kylie Blank. Okay. Matt Ryan's wife. Her name is Sarah Marshall. <laughs> you know what my uncle told me? Marshall probably her middle name. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are <laughs> tripping me out. Who led you guys to believe that this was real? 